Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Densky opens up our new series, Relationship Goals, where we'll talk about friendships, dating, and marriage. Matt talks about not comparing our relationships to others, but deciding to let the Word of God be the standard for our relationships. We look at Genesis 2 and how God gives Adam a purpose and identity before introducing him to Eve. Matt talks about how if God is not enough for us, no one else will be. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Amen. Well, hello everyone and welcome. We'll try again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sheesh. Guys, hello everyone and welcome to Fellowship Greenville Students 2021. They said it, they said it couldn't be done. They said it couldn't be done. And here we are. No, no one said that. But here we are. I am so excited to be here with you guys. Uh, we miss you over the holiday break. We truly do. When we don't meet together regularly, we miss you and uh, we delight to be with you. We're so excited. To be here with you, some of you guys maybe have uh, seen the Instagram story I made about the series we're starting tonight. I could not be more thrilled about this series. It is going to be a five or six week series. I don't know if you're vibing with it. We might extend it. Who knows what we'll do. We wild in 2021, man. <laughs> Sheesh. But um, it, is a, it is a series over the next few weeks. We are going to be focusing on relationships. Mm. Got real quiet real quick. We're going to be focusing on relationships. Valentine's Day is coming up. And we wanted to give you guys all the advice we could so that you can get your boo on that special day. All right? No, we wanted to do a, a series on relationships. Listen, we are going to talk about dating. We are going to talk about intimacy and some of that. But it's not just that stuff. I want to talk about friendships as well. Because we got a lot of drama in some friendship circles in our lives. You know what I mean? I want to talk about friendship killers and things that helps help friendships win. So I want to talk through friendships, how to be a good friend. I want to talk through dating. I want to talk through marriage. Holla. I, I know you guys are like, I'm not even married. At, ew. Like, I get it. But you will be maybe one day. I don't know. Maybe not. Who, who knows? Um, and I, I want to talk about those things. I want to talk about intimacy. I want to talk about it all. So this is going to happen over the next few weeks. Uh, and truly, Valentine's Day is around the corner, which is one of the reasons why we thought, hey, maybe it would be cool to do a relationship series. And in the four and a half years that I have been here at Fellowship Greenville, I have never, ever, not once done a relationship series. Ever. So this is our, our first one. I've, I've held back, even though I've had lots to say. I've held back. Okay. Man, that's a joke. Y'all are, are y'all okay to like lighten up? It's okay to laugh a little bit. I know we in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Denisha. What's up? Denisha, what's up? But seriously, laugh with me. Okay, here we go. So uh, one thing I do want to highlight as well, a little sneak peek, a little movie trailer action for you. February 21st, February 21st, there is something happening that has never happened before. We are, we are culminating this series. We're ending this series. I'm going to have a co-teacher on February 21st. And it is, it is none other than my boo, my bae, my lifelong sweetheart, yeesh, Lauren, my, my wife, yo, hey, never, like, over the past 15 years of me preaching has she ever tag-teamed a sermon with me. She is going to be teaching with me. My wife is going to be teaching February 21st. We are going to end the series with uh, she and I teaching. So I really want to cater that 
as best we can, seriously, to, to you guys. And so I'd love to do kind of, a, of an ask me anything Q&A type thing, but I don't want to do it that night just off the cuff because there's no telling what you guys would ask in front of others, I'm, and I'm not willing to risk that. So listen, every week, every week, we're going to have a little, a little bucket up here, okay? If maybe you want to keep your question anonymous, you don't want people to know that it's you asking it, who, like, well, okay, I don't know. But if you have a question, I want you to write it down on a piece of paper. I want you to put it in the bucket. It's that simple. Don't, and if you already have one tonight, don't wait till next week. Don't be like, oh, I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll get it. Nope, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Because it's going to come February 21st. I'm going to look in the bucket and it's going to be empty. I'm going to be like, well, we ain't teaching. So what questions do you have? And listen, you are allowed to ask anything. Anything. I mean, keep it in the category of like what we're talking about, relationships, love, dating, intimacy, marriage, those type of things. You can ask other things like, hey, man, when I'm old and I open a Roth IRA account, how should I manage that money? I mean, you, you might ask that. I won't answer it, but you can. But you're allowed to ask anything. It doesn't mean we will answer everything, all right? Because some stuff from this stage to this demographic would not be appropriate, but you can ask stuff, all right? We may answer stuff. So if you have a question about love, intimacy, dating, marriage, friendship, anything, and you want to hear me and my wife talk about it, this is the Q&A bucket. You guys with me? Yeah. One of you is. Thank you so much. Yeah. Who is that, Jesse? Jesse and Grant got the new piercings. You got the new ice. You got that new drip. I thought it felt a little colder in here. You got the diamond. I'm sure they're real. You got the diamonds in the ears. They're looking nice, man, looking nice. So guys, I, I, don't, I don't really have a, um, like a title for the series. Maybe it's like Relationships 101 or, or I don't know. But I will say, I got on Instagram today because that is the source of all truth in this world. I got on Instagram, thank you, and I, I looked up uh, the hashtag relationship goals because I wanted to know, like, what should I be aspiring towards in my marriage? What should Lauren and I be trying to do right now? What are our relationship goals? Because you know social media defines the bar, right? So I got on, I was surprised to learn there are 18.1 million posts that use the hashtag relationship goals. I was like, wow, that is a lot of goals to accomplish. I'm not sure I can accomplish said goals. But I got on and I looked at some couples' relationship goals. I cherry-picked a few photos I found. I was having a good time with this. I was like, ooh, <laughs> maybe this should be, maybe should, this should be a date night idea. I don't know. All right, so here's, this is one couple I found. Look at, oh, look at this. Yeah, look at this. That's hashtag, that's hashtag relationship goals. Guys in the room, this is what your bae wants, a charcoal face mask on date night. She wants you and your obey shirt for multiple reasons. She wants a charcoal face mask. This is date night. Has, hashtag relationship goals. I love this girl's, this girl's arms. I don't know. They look super awkward. Like, I don't know how she's doing it. Hashtag relationship goals. The dude's face, stone cold killer. I got my charcoal mask on and I will rip you face off right now. All right, so this is relationship goals. I like this one. It's pretty good. Oh, look at this. Ah, uh, ah, uh. see, see the girls are like, oh, that's so cute. Look at them. I looked at this photo and I was like, what is she like pushing him away? Is it like a, a mid smack whack? 
and he's laughing. It kind of looks like, like this is what I imagine. The photographer was like, okay, this is golden hour, baby. This is perfect lighting. Here's what I want you to do. Tell a joke or at least pretend like he told a joke. And then you're like, oh, boo, stop it. And she like pushes his face away and he's like, yes, got the perfect shot. I looked at it, I was like, where are they chilling? They're chilling in a parking complex, like a, like a, a parking lot, maybe of an a a cul-de-sac. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's a street sign, right? Oh, now I see. She's just smacking his head into the street sign. You know I don't like that joke. Bow. Hashtag relationship goals, though. I liked that one. All right, here's, oh, look at this. Mm. Now that... If that doesn't say relationship goals, I don't know what will. <laughs> Baby, you know what I want to do? Mm. I want to take a photo of you with your arm out. And then I want you to take a photo of me with my arm out. And then I want you to take that photo. No, it's not. No, it's not the same photo. No, it's not. No. And then I want you to make that photo of me, your background, and I want to make that photo of you in my background. And then every party we go to, we're going to set our phones side by side and just keep tapping the home screen button so people see that we are relationship goals. What do you mean it's the same photo? It's not the same photo. No. No. That is posed, man. He went to a spot and he was like this. And she walked up to the spot and she was like this. And they swap photos. You'll never convince me otherwise. I'm not listening to y'all. Update your iPhone. All right, next, next, next photo. Oh, relationship goals. Relationship goals. Here's why I like this one. Here's why I like this one. Yeah, yeah, of course I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like this one because it's like, I like this one because it's like, yo, we can afford, like we're influencers on Instagram and we just travel the world with our student visas and like go to these exotic places three months at a time. And all of a sudden it's like, oh babe, there's that house on that hill we were looking for all day as we hiked through this Amazonian jungle. Someone snapped the photo right quick. <laughs> like that's like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, what kind of, there it is, babe. Like, oh, okay. Is that your home there? No? Okay. Well, okay. It just seems odd to me. This is a hashtag, re hashtag relationship goals. You see a lot of these on Instagram, these like traveling destination couple. Oh, look at this one. Look at this one. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Yo, this dude straight on his wedding day said, babe, let's climb this tree. Get up in this tree right now. He yoinked, yanked her up in his tux. She had a keyhole back opening on the dress. And they took some photos. That's me and my boo, in case you couldn't tell. That's me and my sweetheart, yoga. Love her, love her. But yeah, we did climb a tree on our wedding day. We saw it and we were like, should we do this photo? And the photographer was like, yes. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll climb up there. And sure enough, man, I, I had to yank her up. I almost fell out. It was very awkward. Tucks pants. 
shiny shoes. I was like, uh, you know, angles differently, pulling her up, trying to get her dressed dirty. But yeah, that's me and my boo right there. <laughs> hashtag relationship goals. Had to throw that in. All right, one more. Hashtag relationship goals. Yes. Yeah. Shield your eyes if you're 13 or under, people. I came across this one and I thought, you know what? Out of all these photos... This one really may be the most accurate. When I say I want to fall in love and find someone I can grow old with, this is what I mean wearing some cat leotards in the New York City subway system. That's what they mean. That, dude, that is, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. Out of every photo I've seen, this is the biggest relationship goal that I like. Even more than my own wedding photo. That's, that's what's up. Subway, man. Hashtag relationship goals. All right. So, as fun as it is, as fun as it is to look at some of these photos, the truth is, the cold hard truth is, I can't speak for every person in here, but I would be willing to bet even the dudes in the room, even though we're macho and have testosterone, <laughs> like we don't cry, <laughs> even the dudes in the room have at some point or another, whether it's been through social media or whether it's been in real life and you're at your school in your hallway or in your quarantine or whatever, <laughs> your quarantine looking out your window at couples walking down the street. <laughs> Most of us at some point have looked at other couples and thought to ourselves, man, that, that's goals. Like there's something about what I'm seeing right now that, that that's goals. And the dangerous part about doing that with social media, as hopefully you know by now is, social media is a snapshot in time that reveals that moment, but it does not reveal that journey. Like when we, when we look at, at, at portraits and pictures of these couples and they're in the golden hour and they're on vacation destination things, pointing to exotic places and on, you know, the, the girl who's like walking somewhere beautiful and her hands behind her and her boyfriend's holding the hand and taking the photo, like, okay, that's real life for sure because that's how we all take photos, right? Like, babe, you go in front of me five steps, I'm gonna hold your hand, <laughs> perfect. Like, it's not real. It's pose, right? It's a snapshot, but we look at it and we're like, that's what I want. Ooh, that's relationship goals. What is it about these photos that stir something us, uh, up in us that makes us feel like we're missing out or that there's something we need in that photo or is striking a chord with our heart and it's making us crave something that we're seeing? What is it that we see and we're like, that's goals, that's what I want, that's what I need? What do we feel like is missing from our own relationships? And why do, we, why do we convince ourselves this one snapshot, this one picture of this one couple that I don't even know is my goals, and yet we have no clue what their journey is? And I want to be honest with you, and this is not a flex, this is not a boast, but I mean, in my years of student ministry, I have had a lot of students come and tell me, like, your marriage, <laughs> goals, like, and I'm flattered, I really am. Like, I hope so. Lauren and I try to, you know, live a life that does model strength and integrity and, and, and intimacy and love. We, we, we try to model our family based off those things. But, but, but what you see are these snapshots on Instagram of me and my boys having a spontaneous dance party or, or me taking my wife out on date night and I'm capturing her in the candlelight and bragging about how beautiful she is or, or whatever. You're, you're seeing these snapshots, but what you don't see is like the fights we have in the week, in the middle of the week, you don't see these times where we're like exhausted and our babies aren't sleeping and we're getting up in the middle of the night and we're just like, you know, rocking them and just ah, like in our ears. Like you're not seeing any of that. 
And the principle typically in life is the strongest marriages, the strongest relationships are the ones who have had to do the most work. But you look at the snapshots and you're like, oh, goals, that's what I want. But, but you're not factoring in everything else. It's, it's like when you open a, a cookbook. My wife cooked me a few uh, Joanna Gaines recipes over the break. Some shortbread cookies dipped in chocolate. It was good. Anyway, but it's like when you look at the photo and you're like, ooh, that looks good. That's what I want. But then you don't realize how hard it actually is to actually bake it and make it. You don't realize what has to go into the recipe. And, and man, then it comes out burnt and just doesn't taste right, doesn't look right. It crumbles instead of holds apart. You're like, man, what's going on? It's like we look at the photo and we're like, that's what I want. Really what we want are fast food relationships. That's, why, that's what I think the appeal of fast food is. You pull up at a place and you just see the pictures. You're like, ooh, I don't have to do any of the work and I get this in a matter of feet. Yes, that. And then we drive to the window when we get our meal. We didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to make it, bake it, do the ingredients, mix it together. All we had to do was hand over some money. That's it. Fast. And we look at relationships on Instagram and we're like, yes, goals, that's what I want. And we point to a picture and we expect it to be real life. And we actually begin to model our life this way and forget there is some real stuff in between. There is some conflict and tension and fights and sadness and sorrow and repentance and forgiveness and shame and guilt and grace given. There's a lot of stuff in between those photos that you just don't see. And unless you have the big picture, you're going to get into relationships and think, why is it not working? I had goals. I, we were supposed to travel to Tahiti and point at a mountain and take a picture. Why is it not working? Because you want a fast food relationship. You got in too quick. You had the wrong goals. Your goals were the beautiful picture, not the work in between. So what if, over the next six weeks or so, what if we actually decided to let the Word of God, not Instagram, not Snapchat, not TikTok, what if we didn't let social media determine the standard for relationships? What if for the next six weeks we actually allowed God's word to be the standard and we applied it to our lives? What if we, what if we tried it out? What if we challenged it? Like, okay, I'm going to let God's word speak and I'm actually going to do it and apply it. I'm just going to see what happens. What if we would allow God's word to be the standard of relationships, whether that's friendship, dating, intimate as we think towards the future or whatever? What if we allowed God's word to actually set the standard? And I think God's word has a lot to say about relationships, and I, I certainly want to talk about them tonight. I want to actually go to the first relationship that we begin to see between man and woman, between people, which is Adam and Eve. And so I want to go to Genesis 2 tonight, and if, <clears throat> if tonight's message had a title, which I like never give my messages titles, but if it did, it would be this. Before it's you and them, it's you and God. Before it's you and them, it's you and God. And I want to talk tonight about foundation. Instead of driving up and pointing to a picture and desiring some fast food relationship that just seems instant and easy, I want to talk about the hard work that needs to happen beforehand and during this relationship. I want to talk about some foundational principles, and I want to look at the story of Adam before Eve even came along. Because God didn't make Adam and Eve at the exact same time. He made Adam... And then some time passed, and eventually he made Eve. And God was doing a few things in Adam before God completed creation with a woman. He was cultivating, he was growing, he was laying some foundation work in Adam before his little boo came along. 
And I think, what if God's word is actually showing us a template? What if it's showing us, hey, here's the foundational things that are required to have strong and firm character so that when you get into a relationship, it doesn't just crumble in the first three months because you actually were pointing to a picture and you didn't realize there's a recipe. Before it's you and them, it's you and God. So what is God doing? All right, so let's go to to Genesis 2, starting in verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God has not ca- had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. And then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So God makes Adam from the ground. Adam's name literally translates to dirt man. All right, he makes him from the dirt. He's the dirt man. And God breathes into his nostrils. A little throwback to Epic. Anybody who was there? Yeah. Yeah. Do it with me. Yahweh. Yes. Adam was created, but he wasn't alive until God breathed into him. The breath of God is the life of man. Here we go. Woo. That's, that's, that's you know, we've been there. That's Epic. Okay, we got to move, though. Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, out in the east, and there he put the man who he had formed. He made Adam, he breathed life into him, he made this garden over in the east in a place called Edom, and then Eden, and then he placed Adam, he put him there, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the garden, in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Skip to verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, I know upon reading that, you're like, hmm, okay, foundational principle being, hmm, what? <laughs> Doesn't seem that profound. But think about it. Think, think, think about it, <clears throat> about what God is doing and what God is inviting Adam to do. Was it Adam who created a single thing that's been going on? No. Adam has not done anything. He's, he's literally the dirt man, and God breathed into him, and he's like, I'm alive, right? And God's like, yo, I got a garden in the east. We going, and he puts him there. God is the creator. God has made everything. The author of Hebrews says that through the word of God, he made everything, and through the, through, through the word of Jesus, he is holding it together in his power. Jesus is holding all of creation together by the power of his word. God is the maker of all things, the creator of all things. Adam has not created anything, but God invites him to contribute to everything. It's very important. Adam didn't create anything, but God invited him to contribute to everything, not to be a consumer. He doesn't just tell Adam, yo, dude, you can move in the garden and be a lazy bum. You can just eat it all. You don't have to do anything. You can get fat. You can just lay there, work on your tan a little bit. It's cool, man. Like, it's all right. He didn't tell Adam that. He didn't create Adam to be a consumer. He created him to be a contributor. God has created, and then he takes Adam and he puts him in in paradise, in, in heaven on earth, literally. God has made this paradise in Eden, and he places Adam in it, and he, and he shows him around. He's like, dude, all of this is yours. All these trees that I brought forth, man, they produce fruit. They're good for eating. They're good to look at. We got lemon trees. We got lime trees, papayas. You like papaya? We got papayas, mangoes, bananas, coconuts. Like, we got it all, man. I don't know why I said coconut's weird, but it came out weird. I'm a little self-conscious now. I saw the laugh you gave me. He's showing Adam around. And look at what he tells Adam. I want you to 
keep this. Look at verse 15. I want you to keep this and work it. Keep it and work it. God invites Adam to be a contributor. He didn't create, but he invited Adam to be a contributor. In other words, God, through his relationship with Adam, leads him towards purpose. God, through his relationship with Adam, leads him into purpose. God gives Adam his purpose. Hey, I've created all this, Adam. You didn't create it. I did, but I want to give you a purpose. I actually want you to come and work the land and tend it. Work it and tend it. Every time I say that, you all remember that Bigger, Better, Faster, Stronger with Dallas? Every time I say work it in time, I was like, work it, tend it, make it better, stronger, faster, Dallas. Every time, I'm like, why is this in my head? Okay, come on. Work it and tend it. He invites Adam into his purpose. Adam is discovering his purpose with God long before Eve is even on the scene. Before there's you and them, there is you and God. But let's be honest, hello, where are we trying to find our purpose? Most of us wouldn't even know how to begin to answer that question. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Don't be foolish, but know what the will of God is for your life. Man, how can we know what the will of God is for our life? John 15, Jesus says, Man, abide in me, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. John 14, Jesus said, I am sending someone the Spirit, the Helper, and he will be with you always. So through the power and presence of the Spirit, we have God abiding in us, and as we abide in him, we should be discerning the will of God for our lives, leading us to purpose. The relationship with God led Adam into purpose. Adam, I've created it, bro, but I want you to contribute. Work the land. Tend it, man. You see some limbs that need trim them? Trim them. You see some fruit that needs to be picked? Pick it. You want to eat some? Eat it. Enjoy it. It's all yours, man. You want to mix some stuff together? Ooh, you're getting wild now, Trop Smoothie. Okay, but do it. Try out some flavors. Work the land. Tend it. This is your purpose. This is your responsibility. God is giving Adam purpose through the relationship he has with him. When we are lonely, when we compare our lives to people or things we see online, when we begin to crave these unrealistic expectations based on a snapshot of a couple that had a professional photographer drop thousands to travel the world and got the picture at the perfect hour of the day, when we start thinking, that's goals, and we don't factor in anything else, all of a sudden we're beginning to derive purpose out of this goal for our relationships. We're beginning to say, when I'm in a relationship, when I date, that is going to give me purpose. Somehow I will feel fulfilled if I can replicate what I'm seeing there with my own life. When we are dissatisfied, when we are discontent, we begin to compare. And comparison is the thief of joy. You will never feel satisfied if you're always comparing. Subnote, that's one of the most dangerous, dangerous things about social media. I'm not anti-social media, but I am anti-comparison because it kills you, man. You never feel like you're enough. You're always comparing. How many likes did I get this time? Who's commenting this time? How much attention am I getting this time? How many more photos do I need to post? How much interaction am I? It's just a trap. It is an endless cycle. And we begin to compare, and we begin to derive our purpose. And we begin to think, man, if I could only find that person, 
I'm lonely. If I could just get into a relationship, ooh, Christmas was pretty tough because I was alone, I was quarantined, but you know what? Valentine's Day is coming up. I would love to be with someone, and somehow that idea that if I could just be with someone, it doesn't even have to be with the right one, but somehow it would give me purpose in life. It would validate who I am. It would bring satisfaction. But it won't because it's being derived outside of God. God, through his relationship with Adam, before Eve, was giving Adam purpose. Before there's you and them, there's you and God. This is a foundational principle. When I disciple students, and I mean like deeply disciple students, I have this little exercise that I do with them. I just write it on a piece of paper and I say this, my worth is found in blank. And then I'll have them fill in that blank and they come back the next week. And whatever's in the blank, that's what we talk about. My worth is found in blank. And oftentimes, most times, that blank is filled in with some kind of category of people. My worth is found in what people think of me. My worth is found in my friends. My worth is found in my boyfriend. My worth is found in I wish I had a boyfriend. Like all these things, it's true, right? But never, never is it, oh, my worth is found in Jesus. We don't know how to derive our worth from Jesus because culture has trained us and taught us your worth, your purpose is validated through people. And if you're not hitting the hashtag relationship goals that you're comparing your life to, you will not feel like you have a purpose. And therefore, we begin to think a person will give me purpose. And we get into so many relationships with that mentality, and then they begin to crumble. Man, I don't feel validated like I thought I did. This feels wrong, man. This person is not giving me what I thought I should be getting. I'm discontent now, and about the three-month mark, it all crumbles. And then we just repeat it, right? God, through his relationship with Adam, was leading him into purpose. Genesis 2, following up, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded Adam, saying, now listen, Adam, you can, you can surely eat of every tree in the garden. Look around, bro. It's all yours. But of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat that tree, you will surely die. So God gives Adam purpose. Hey, I want you to work the land, tend it, cultivate it, contribute to it. And man, look around. All of this is yours, bro. See those mountains over there? That's yours. Oh, see that big lake over there? That's yours. Anything you find is yours except, 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 Adam, this one tree right over here. I don't want you to eat from that because if you do, you will die. And guys, it's not, it's not like... Adam had like one other tree to choose from. It's not like God planted one apple tree and then this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and an apple tree. It's not like God was like, yo, Adam, I know it's slim pickings here, man, but look, this apple tree, look how versatile it is. You got applesauce. You got apple cider. You got apple juice. You like apple pie? Dunzo. You got apples on the plane. We got that too. Like this apple can do a lot of things, man. You just make it work. You stretch it out. No, 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 no. God's like, yo, man, whatever you want. I've I, I, I planted all this stuff. It's all yours, except, except, except this one thing. Why would God tell Adam, everything is yours except one? We tend to think, man, why, why is God holding out on Adam? We tend to think that about our own lives, at least. Man, why does God give rules? I know better than God. I know how to create my own pathway in my life. I know how to make better decisions and choices. Why would God give rules? Why would he expect there to be restraint in this life? 
Man, God's holding out on us. Unless, unless, unless God, the creator of everything, including our own souls, knows more about us than we do and knows something about us that we don't and actually knows what would bring us the ultimate joy and what would bring us the ultimate sorrow and leads us towards joy and away from sorrow by simply asking us not to participate in things that will destroy us. Right? In relationships, in high school, listen, man, I, I know... Like, let's talk about the elephant in the room. There is a, a, a lot, I've been in high school, there is a culture within our, the social media reality, within our world that's like, hey man, fooling around is normal, sex is normal, like all that can come before marriage, that's normal. And the temptation is, God, why, why would you say not to? Man, it feels good, it's fun, we like it, we love each other, man, that's my boo, I want to, you know. Like, we have all these ideas, God, why are you holding out on me? We had sex, it didn't kill us. What's wrong? Guys, listen up. The way God has created sex, it's like, listen, it's the same thing he told Adam. Man, see all of this? It's yours, man. You can, you can have all this. You can do all this. Man, you can do it as many times as you want. You can have so much fun. I've created it, by the way. God is the author of sex. Not sure you knew that, but he is. He wants you to have it. However, he wants you to have it in a specific way, which is in the confines of marriage, a covenant relationship where you are promised to each other forever because sex doesn't just bring your bodies together. It fuses your souls together and when you begin to have sex outside of a permanent commitment, you begin to feel the tearing effect of, hey, I'm not actually with that person forever, and yet we fuse our souls. That's the reality, which is why there's this rule. God is teaching Adam something important here. By the way, by the way, God is a God of grace. I'm just using sex as an example, but this is in no way a shame fest or a bashing. Your future is not destroyed. Can God forgive you? Yep, he already did. Can God restore you? Yep. Is there a pathway of, of reconciliation and redemption? Absolutely. Is God a God of infinite grace? Absolutely. Does Jesus love you any less? No, he doesn't. But there are so certain rules in place for your good. I've been there, guys. I've been there. God is asking, and he's teaching Adam a very important thing, foundational thing. He's teaching him the practice of restraint. God is teaching Adam parameters he's giving Adam parameters Adam all of this is good all of this is good all of this is good but this thing isn't why would God teach Adam parameters before he even gets into a relationship why is that a foundational thing come on now you already know the answer to this if your relationships don't have boundaries going into the relationship the relationship defines the boundaries itself God is asking Adam to, to form this, this practice of restraint, of parameters. Adam, all of this is yours. This one thing, bro, is not. Please don't eat of that. You will die. But everything else is. He's cultivating in Adam a practice of parameters, teaching him how to have restraint. Men in the room, by, by the way, four categories we see before the first sin. God models rest, relationships, restraint, and, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Rest, relationships, restraint, and responsibility. Those things are good before the first sin ever even entered the world. And he's giving Adam this practice of restraint. Men in the room, this is one of the most important disciplines you can cultivate in your life. I'm going to shoot straight with you right now. Without naming anything, I want you to know habits now will be habits later. Marriage is not your golden ticket towards freedom from addiction. 
to lust. Things now will be things later. They just get amplified in marriage. They don't leave in marriage. Learn restraint now so you don't bring that baggage into marriage. Females in the room, holla at your boy for a minute. If a dude is asking you to send him inappropriate videos or pictures, if that's how the relationship is starting off, I'm going to go ahead and shoot straight with you. He's more concerned with his cravings than your character. That will not change when you start dating. I know there's a tendency, oh, I can change him. I know he's a bad boy, but I can change him with the gospel. No. Jesus can, but you can't. If he's showing you that before it's even started, it will only continue. I'm trying to save you a lot of pain here. Why? Because a foundational element of healthy relationships is restraint, parameters, understanding that it is good for us to actually say no to things at times. Are you allowed to watch Netflix? Yeah, bro. Should you watch 12 hours straight? Probably not. Restrain. It's good for you to know the boundaries of health. God leads Adam into purpose. God teaches Adam parameters. Lastly, Genesis 1, verse 27. We're going backwards a little bit. God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is a summary verse of, of God creating man and woman. But look at it. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Through God creating Adam, he defines Adam's personhood. Or in other words, he gives Adam his identity. He gives Adam purpose. He gives Adam parameters, and he gives Adam his personhood. His identity is derived by being created in the image of the Father. It is not derived from other people that he is with. Adam's identity, hear me out, is not through Eve. Your identity as a daughter of the king, as a son of the king, is not found in someone else and will never be found in someone else. You are complemented by others. You are not completed by others. Your identity is derived by the fact that you were created in the image of a loving God. But what do we do? Thank you, amen. But what do we do? We get on social media, we play the comparison game, like, oh, this is what I want, hashtag relationship goals, and then we start getting lonely, we get discontent, we start comparing, and we get kind of antsy, and we just want to rush it, and we, we just want to be with someone, and then we convince ourselves, you know what, I don't, I don't really have to wait for it to feel right. I, I can, I can kind of build my relationship with Christ and make all that strong while I'm with this person trying to figure it out, and it, we get it all out of order because we never worked on the foundational principles of learning our purpose is derived in Jesus. Jesus sets parameters and those are good for us and our personhood or our identity is found in him. And we start to find all those things in other people and it always, always, always leaves us wanting more, doesn't it? If God is not enough for you, no one else ever will be. If God is not enough for you, no one else ever will be. Now hear me, I'm, I am not standing up here saying, so therefore you should be single forever. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about, because yo, your boy's married and I love it, it's the best. No, 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 listen, God says in verse 18, hey, it, it is not good for man to be alone, I need to fix this. 
God himself, this is the first not good of the whole Bible. God's evaluating it. He's like, no, you know what? This is actually not good. It's not good for him to be alone. We need something else. It's not good to be alone. God has created you to be in relationships. That's how you're made. That's why you have the cravings to be with people, whether in friend groups or intimate or whatever. You are craving relationships because that's how you're made. But what God is trying to cultivate in you is foundational principles so that you can have a strong relationship later. You cannot build a strong house on a shaky foundation. It don't work. If you want a godly relationship then, you need to build a godly life now. And God is trying to cultivate through foundational principles you to find your purpose in him To practice parameters through his word, understanding it's not good all the time, practice restraint, say no to that, and then to derive your personhood or your identity from him and him alone. When you work on the foundational things, it was was when God led Adam through those things that then God said, you know what, okay, he needs someone now. He's learned them, but now he needs someone. It's not good for him to still be alone. Then came Eve, and creation was completed with a woman. These are foundational principles. I'm not up here saying, hey, so you need to be single forever. No, 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 no. What I am saying is, though, I think God may be giving us a picture of of an order of things. Like, before you rush in because you're lonely, before you start playing the comparison game, before you start wishing that your life was their life, before all that happens, take a look at the order of things. God is working on Adam's purpose. He's teaching Adam restraint through parameters. He's giving Adam identity through personhood. And then he brings Adam Eve, if God is not enough for you, no one else ever will be. Before it's you and them, it's you and God. And the reality is, after it's you and them, there's you and God. The foundation has to be strong because the house has to be strong. You still work on that relationship with God. It just comes after. Man, come on up. I just want to tell a quick story real quick. <clears throat> quick, real quick, yep. Yeah. Uh, growing up, when I was in high school, I made a lot of failures, I want to I be honest but quick here because I'm, I'm over time. I made, I made a lot of failures. I was a brand new believer in Jesus. I had a life addicted to porn and lust and fooling around and being promiscuous. I allowed the world to define what manhood was for me. I chased girls, and unfortunately, I was very successful. And I made a lot of mistakes. Then I met Jesus, and I was like, i got to turn this around. But stuff didn't die overnight. And a lot of things were buried in me that I didn't know. And so over time, I would have these little victories and little victories and fall back and fall back. Years go by. And I was just so tired of it, man. I, I, I was just tired of the game and tired of like feeling like I just don't know how to lead myself well. I don't know how to, I definitely know, don't know how to be in a relationship well. And so I committed to myself, I'm going to take one year and I'm going to fast from girls, from like dating, from intimacy. I'm, I'm not going to be alone with girls. I'm going to take one year and I'm going to fast from even the idea of dating. And during that year, my prayer was, God, would you help me grow? Would you help me? heal and would you teach me how to be a man like I'm I'm tired of leading girls on I'm tired of of giving them emotional hope when I don't have any intent to to be in a relationship with them I'm I'm tired of of the lust always creeping in and being right there like God I, I, I want healing I want you to teach me how to mature I took one year and I fasted from relationships dating intimacy being alone with girls things like that and during that year God began to cultivate in me some of these foundational things we're talking about. And what he taught me in that year was something I've never had before that point in time. He taught me how to be content with just Jesus. Because my whole life, it's not that I was lonely, but if I'm really, really honest with you, my whole life I was so wildly insecure about my own self 
that I needed girls to validate my ego because that's kind of what culture teaches dudes. And so I would play these games with girls just to know that I was wanted, right? Like, how sick is that? For the first time in my life, I didn't need a girl. In that year, I learned contentment with just Jesus. For the first time ever, Jesus was enough. I never felt that before. I learned that. The year ended, and guess what happened? I didn't just run off to find someone. Like it wasn't a ticking clock. All of a sudden, I felt contentment, and I, and I surrendered to Jesus. I said, you know what? In your timing, it will happen, but I don't need to make this happen. My purpose, my personhood is found in you, practicing parameters, and I'll abide and I'll wait. And over the course of the next year, May 18th, 2008, I met Lauren, my wife. It was not love at first sight. We had a very rocky start, but we met. And God began to bring us together. But I learned contentment in Jesus first. If God is not enough for you, no one else ever will be. I had to learn that the hard way. My hope and my prayer for you is that you would hear me empathetically say, this is in no way a judgment sermon, a shame sermon. I have been at the pool of, of, of shame and guilt and mistakes and, and trying to wrestle with these things. I'm speaking from the stance of a, a forgiven man who's had to learn these things the hard way, and if I could spare any of you from making the same mistakes I did, then I would. Find your purpose and personhood in Jesus and practice the parameters that he says are good because he desires life for you. These are foundational so that you can then have the relationship. Before there's you and them, there's you and God. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And uh, we thank you for your word. We pray, Jesus, that you would cultivate in us these foundations. Purpose, parameters, personhood. Forgive us when we fail. Give us grace. Help us see that you still love us. You still walk with us. It's not one and done. One failure does not determine our fate or our destiny. Jesus, you're a God of grace. And so I pray that you would walk with us patiently. Help us figure this out. Because it's hard. It's hard. Help us see the word of God as the standard and not social media, not the world, not culture. Help us find contentment and satisfaction in you and you alone. We ask these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.